0: what's going on everybody do i even remember how to do this feels like i've been gone forever it's really only been three episodes (laughs) really only been three episodes uh Figured, coming back oh, from a vacation, coming back from a little time off, I give you all a little different uh intro music this time, hope y'all like it, but I am back, the Instant Replay Podcast is back, as always, I am your host, Dominic Sharoski, thank you all so much for all the patience, like I said, uh, was a little caught up at first, last week was on, took a bit of a vacation, was out with family in Orlando, had a good time, all that good stuff, um, but I am back And there is so much to talk about. Really happy to be back in the flow of things um, and doing what we love. Um, So once again, thank you all for all your patience. And I guess let's just jump right into it. So a lot of things we need to touch on, a lot of things that have happened. Um, I'm sure there are some things that I will forget. So if I do, I apologize. But one of the first things that I do want to talk about is the WNBA. And because the WNBA draft was last night and A lot of big names went to some very interesting places. Um, And most importantly, man, I am just, I am a huge fan of the WNBA. I feel like they just deserve so much more recognition and, um, you know, just so many people, I think, overlook the WNBA. And it's really messed up because they truly put out a great a great product. But. First things first, WNBA. Obviously, we have to start with the Dallas Wings. Dallas made moves. Okay, Dallas, and they've been making moves up until this point, but it didn't really come until everything kind of coalesced uh, last night where basically the, the Wings ended up having three of the first five picks in the draft. They had one and two, which is insane to think. Like I couldn't imagine what, like, I couldn't imagine the conversations that would have been had if like that would have happened in the NBA or in the NFL. Like if a team had the number one and number two pick, um, in a single year, it's, it's crazy to think that that happened. The Dallas wings found a way to do it. And they also had the fifth pick. Um, I want to talk about first pick though. Uh, Charlie, uh, Collier, uh, absolutely phenomenal number one overall pick she's hands down the best player in the draft in my opinion um, at center six65 out of Texas great rebounding skills can shoot the ball very well um, and you saw her ability to shoot um, improve over the years so you can you can assume that it's going to get better even you know as she just continues to grow and as she do uh, develops as a player um, she's ready uh, out the gate. Pro ready body. Um, she's going to be a really good inside option for the wings. Listen, Dallas, they're they're cooking some stuff up. They're they're cooking some stuff up over there in Dallas. Uh, but really great moment for Charlie. Um, she had a really uh, heartwarming moment when she was drafted. Obviously, they were talking, and she paid some respects to her, you know, her father who uh, has passed away at this point and things like that. But um, really big. Uh, For Charlie, uh, seeing her go number one overall, I thought it was the right move. I thought it was a good move uh, there at number one overall. Next up, we have the Atlanta Dream. And there's a lot going on around the Atlanta Dream. Obviously, you know, under new ownership and all this other stuff. But the Atlanta Dream took Ari McDonald. And Ari McDonald was a player who her draft stock went through the roof um, after her performance uh, in the NCAA tournament uh, with Arizona, great point guard, best point guard in this draft class, one of the five best players in the in, in the draft overall. Um, like I said, she really proved that she is a leader. She comes up in big games. Like she had a ton of clutch moments uh, in the tournament this year. Uh, like I said, really good shooter and. More than anything, though, like the shooting was kind of a plus with her because for Ari McDonald, her thing was always her speed. She's an extremely fast player, quick uh, with and without the ball. Um, has no fear when attacking; like she gets, doesn't matter who's in front of her, she will attack and press. And also, she is a true defensive uh, lockdown player. She really good defensive skills, really good reaction. All that stuff, but her draft stock went through the roof after her performances uh, in the NCAA tournament. Um, like I said, so I'm I'm excited for her to see what she does um, in Atlanta. I think that I think Atlanta is a good fit for her. I think the Dream did a really good job of getting her. Um, they needed a point guard. She feels a need as well as being one of the best players available. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see where she ends up playing out. My big heart heartwarming moment of the draft was Dee Dee Richards, and Dee Dee Richards. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a little bit of backstory on Dee Dee Richards. Uh, she's a <clears throat> excuse me, she's a uh, guard out of Baylor, and seeing her get drafted last night was really really special just because like I said, for those of you who don't know her story, she's a player. She's an individual who, um, she actually had a spinal injury, uh, many years back and it left her paralyzed actually for a little bit of time. Um, there was real concerns about whether or not she was going to be able to play. Um, would she be able to walk would like what's going to happen with her career. Um, and she fought all the way back. was on a really good, uh, Baylor team, uh, has, length, quickness, and then obviously, like I said, fighting back from that type of injury, you know she's tough, you know she has heart, um, she has no quit in her. Um, she goes and she gets drafted by the New York Liberty um, in the second round, but I was it was just really nice seeing her uh, get that moment, you know, that all that hard work that she put in after having such a scary injury, um, after having to go through all that rehab, Um, it's, it's, it was just a heartwarming moment for her. And then you look at it as, okay, let's look at it. We've, we've dealt with the person aspect of it. Now let's look at the actual player. Like I said, great length, really good quickness. Like I said, she's a point guard, but she's six two. um, moves around very well. Uh, her shooting range, a little bit of a problem. She's not a deep threat. Um, but she can finish at the rim. But like I said, the thing with her that you're getting is toughness. You're getting toughness. You're getting someone who's never going to quit. And I think that is big pluses, even if she does end up just being some sort of role player, you know, even if she doesn't pan out to be a star or anything like that. Uh, I think she's going to be someone who will have a very long career um, just because she's going to bring that mentality, that never die, that never quit mentality. So really happy for Didi there. Um, But it's time for me to talk about my theme. The Chicago sky also shout out to the WNBA they put out they uh made like some new like alternate jerseys and all that stuff for a bunch of teams they look incredible I have to give me one uh I have to give me a Chicago sky jersey I got some stuff coming on the way finally now that they've restocked some stuff because for whatever reason now everything is like I will I shouldn't say for whatever reason it means that people are ordering more stuff which means more attention for the WNBA which is good but I want my merch too come on guys um Anywho, uh, let's talk about the Chicago Sky and their night from yesterday. So, at 8 overall, and Chicago kind of stays true. So, the Chicago Sky, and you see this a lot in the WNBA. I mean, you see it in the NBA as well, you know, people going to grab players from overseas and things like that. Uh, Chicago does it fairly often, though. And Shila Heal selected number 8 overall. Is a really great selection um, because it gives. First things first, it gives us an answer and a little bit more flexibility at point guard. Obviously, Courtney Vandersloot is our bona fide starter. She's going to go down as one of the greatest sh- Chicago Sky players of all time. Uh, they need to retire her jersey. All that stuff, right? She's like she's point god as far as I'm concerned, or point goddess, however you want to say it. Um, but we do need someone behind her. Courtney's starting to get up there in age. How much longer is she going to play? We'll see. Shayla Hill is a really great option to have as a backup point guard and as someone who can eventually um, take over for Courtney when she does decide to hang it up. Um, young, but she, like I said, she's from Australia, um, and she's played professionally from a, for for. Five years now you know she began her professional career at 14 she's played you know like i said against uh players like liz cambage in the australian leagues and things like that so she knows what type of level like she knows the level of competition that she's going to be playing against in the wnba uh she's been doing it for a long time you know kind of similar to how like people felt about Luka Doncic coming out. who was like, all right, he's been playing in the Euro league for years. He's won a championship there. Like he's been playing against grown men since he was like 12 years old. So he's, his game should translate. And obviously we've seen what Luka does. I'm not putting that type of pressure on Shyla Heel. I'm not saying she's going to be Luka Doncic in the WNBA at all, but a little similarity there as far as someone who has played, Um, in a professional league before and has played against other professional players. I think that type of experience at a young age hardens you and really prepares you for what the WNBA is going to bring. She is great at finishing at the rim. Uh, She's a drive-first player, you know, very different from what we see um, across any basketball league now where everyone kind of goes to shooting the ball. You know, everyone wants to shoot threes. She's a shooter second. She wants to get to the rim. She likes to finish. And I'm really interested to see how she translates over uh, to the WNBA. I like the combination, though, of Shyla Heal coming off the bench. Uh, You still have Diamond DeShields there, who's one of my favorite players in the league. Obviously, Allie Quigley, Courtney Vandersloot, and then Candace Parker coming. This Chicago Sky team, man. The Chicago Sky team is really, really coming together very nicely. Um, and then the other selection for the Chicago Sky was Natasha Mack in the second round. And Natasha Mack, I think, getting her, this was really good value. She's Natasha Mack was one of the 10 best prospects in this draft class, in my opinion. Um, so the fact that they were able to get her at like pick 16 um, is great. Like the fact that they were able to get her that late in the second, or you know, after that, after all those picks, you know, to get her in the second round at pick four, uh, it's pretty crazy to me. Um, she is tall, like I said, long, agile, moves very well. She can control the game at the defensive end, which is something. It, it's not. It'll be nice to have because Azura Stevens. Hasn't always been that. Um, they do have Stephanie there, and she's good. But Natasha Mack, coming out of Oklahoma State, 6'4, like I said, long, agile. She can really control the paint. Um, a hell of a de- hell of a defensive rebounder. She's gonna clean up the boards, be a glass cleaner, um, and a shot blocker. I really love that. Uh, getting her in there, I'm huge. I'm old school, so I'm defense first, right? Like that's that that's what gets me excited. Like yeah. Everyone, like, even across all sports now, it seems like everyone's geared towards offense because that's what people want to see. I'm old school. Give me someone who works hard. Give me someone who's gritty. Give me someone who's going to play defense. Give me someone who's going to be locked down. Give me someone, you know, like, as far as defense goes, like, rebounding and all that. That's the thing, right? Like, offense is about skill. Rebounding and defense, a lot of times, it's just about who wants it more. Like, who's willing to put the effort in, right? Right? And so when you have people like Natasha Mack who are dynamic rebounders and shot blockers, it shows she's willing to put out more effort than you. Um, So I was really happy about that. Uh, Jasmine Walker was selected. Just going through some of the other picks here, Jasmine Walker was selected number seven overall by the Sparks. Um, It was a really good night. Really good night. Wasn't too many surprises. Um, You know, things kind of went how you thought they would. But... All in all, really great night for the WNBA. Extremely excited for all of these ladies uh, for the opportunity that they are going to get. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for this 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 draft this this upcoming season. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait. And like I said, I'm I've, I've told you all ever since the news that we got Candace Parker, the Chicago Sky. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in on us winning the championship this year. I want it. I need it. Um and I believe it's gonna happen. So moving from the WNBA to do I want to talk NBA first or NFL? You know what? I'm gonna call it audible. I was gonna go NFL. We'll go NBA, keep all the basketball talk in one section, and then we'll finish off with the NFL. So moving from the WNBA to the NBA, a lot of things that we missed um while I was gone for the past week and a half basically. Um one of the more surprising pieces of news was the retirement of, or retiring, sorry, of Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, Marcus Aldridge obviously had just recently uh, signed with the Brooklyn Nets after uh, working out a buyout of his contract uh, from the San Antonio Spurs, and I was very happy for him. You know, like I, I I've always been a fan of Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, it always pains me. When I talk about LaMarcus Aldridge, because every time I think of him, I'm reminded of how he was supposed to be a Chicago Bull, but we ended up trading him for, who was it? Tyrus Thomas? I think it was Tyrus Thomas, or Tyus Thomas. I don't know. Either way, that guy did not have as long of a career as LaMarcus Aldridge did, and he ended up not being anywhere near as good as he was. Um, But LaMarcus Aldridge, great stand-up guy, never really heard anyone have anything bad to say about him, but... You know, he had his buyout with the San Antonio Spurs. He goes and joins the Nets. And as much as I don't like the Nets kind of, you know, manufacturing this championship team by just trying to add as many pieces as possible, you know, trying to buy a ring, you know, as as some people say, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of it. But for guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, I'm okay with it when he does it. You know, it's okay for someone who at his age, to go and try and ring chase, in my opinion, you know, like when Marcus Aldridge, he spent a lot of his time in Portland where he was the man, right? Where he was the focal point. Uh, Damian Lillard Lillard actually came out uh, with a video saying that the Portland Trailblazers need to retire his number. And I fully agree with that. But um, so he signed with the Nets and things seemed like everything was fine. Things were going according to plan. You know, he was playing well. Um, But apparently there was uh, a little bit of a health concern that, He found out that uh, he's having, uh, he had an irregular heartbeat on the last game that he played. And, you know, he went, had a little bit of a health scare, went to the doctors, got some expert opinions on it. uh, And just because of health complications, heart complications, Microsoft just basically said, hey, you know what? It would have been cool to be on this team, possibly win a championship at the end of the year. But I've played this game for a long time. It's been very good to me. But now, you know, obviously my body is starting to feel the effects. My body is kind of starting to turn on me. And as much as I love the game, I want to be around for, you know, years after this. So, LaMarcus Aldridge calls it a a career, like I said. Absolute stud. And I think because he... LaMarcus Aldridge, I feel like, was a guy who never really got a bunch of shine. And it's because he never really played in big markets, like obviously. Like he played in Portland, so no one really cared, Um, and then obviously he spent the last four or five years, I believe, in San Antonio, maybe longer, six years, can't remember how long he's been in San Antonio, but uh, he was with San Antonio for these last couple years, and then because, you know, they were kind of in a flux of figuring out life after Kawhi Leonard and Tim Duncan, you know, they weren't winning a bunch of games, so the national media that was on the Spurs kind of dispersed and all that, but for those of you who don't know, man, go and look up Lamarcus Aldridge had one of the best mid-range shots I've ever seen. Like his, that his turnaround, his mid-range turnaround jumper is just as good as gold every single time he shot it. Um, So, shouts out to Lamarcus Aldridge uh, on a fantastic, fantastic career. A little bit of other news. Um, Looks like Anthony Davis clear for practice. He's going to be coming back soon. LeBron James seems like he's maybe 2 weeks away. The Lakers look like they're going to be getting back to full strength. Obviously, they signed Andre Drummond. Uh Listen, Lakers man, they got another big man and that's the big and that's something that's very very important for them because that was something that benefited them greatly during the championship last year, their championship run. Having Dwight Howard and having someone who can be a running mate and being that dominant, being just another imposing dominant physical force on the floor with Anthony Davis was huge for them because it just created so many mismatches. And I think they kind of wanted to get that in Mark Gasol this year. And it hasn't exactly worked out that way. Um, They got it in Andre Drummond now. So the Lakers, once they get healthy, man, they're going to be a tough out. Um, But LeBron and AD look like they're going to be coming back from uh, injuries pretty soon. Uh, Steph Curry has come back and Steph Curry is on an absolute tear. He's averaging like damn near 40 points in his last nine games. It's his, he scored 30 plus points in eight straight games. There is something. So we can talk about this very quickly. Um, Steph this year, I think really put his bid back into the conversation of being like one of the five best players in the league. You know, I think some people may have kind of fallen off of that train during the past couple years, you know, Steph with what he's done this year with his Golden State Warriors team and just how much and just just by looking at like what this team looks like when he hasn't been there, like the few like when he's missed games this year, this team has looked so different. But when he has been there and he's been the focal point, he has absolutely lit it up this year. He's making the real case for MVP, um, but he has just been phenomenal had a chance, he, he had like 12 threes in another game last night, and Steve Kerr <laughs> told him to sit back down because Steph was like, hey, I mean, I know we're up by like 15 right now, but I can go for a record here tonight. Uh, Steve Kerr told him to sit back down and all that other stuff, but uh, got to show love to Steph Curry because he is, like I said, he's on a tear right now, and I feel sorry because the Warriors are going to be right there in that mix between those that seven, seven to 10, they're going to be right there in that grouping. And I feel sorry for whatever team has to play them uh, or has to face off against them in the playoff uh, games that they're on the play in series. I'm sorry. In the play in games to make it to the playoffs. Um, Cause they're going to be a tough out. Like they're the one team that I think if you're anywhere in that seven, you know, so last year it was just, you know, kind of, they experimented with it and it was really successful. Now, Teams 7, 8, 9, and 10 are going to do play-in series to see who's going to make it into the um, postseason with those last two spots. And, boy, I got to tell you, it's—you you don't feel good knowing that you have to go up against Steph Curry. Uh You don't feel good knowing you have to go up against Steph Curry in in those play-in series. So We're going to see how those fare out. Uh, Sadly, James Wiseman, the Golden State Warriors uh, rookie uh, draft pick, who they selected uh, number three overall, um, had a torn meniscus, had surgery on it. He's going to be out for the season, uh, who was having a very good year, very good season. Um, He's going to be out, but even still, as long as Steph Curry is there, that team is scary because Steph is liable to go nuclear any night that you go up uh and play against him. He's also a great facilitator. He like I think people forget that Steph Curry is still the best point guard in the league. Like, I know Chris Paul does his stuff and he's really good. Uh James Harden, you know, and has really kind of taken over and really solidified his spot as yeah, I'm a point guard now. But the best point guard in the league, and Damian Lillard has a case for it too, but the best point guard in the league is Steph Curry. And it's to me it's Steph Curry hands down. Um, he's just phenomenal. So seeing him do, go on this tear is incredible. Um, speaking of injuries, we talked about uh, James Wiseman. We also talked about Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Uh, really scary moment for the Denver Nuggets. Um, Jamal Murray injured himself a couple nights ago on a play, uh, went down uh, grabbing his left knee. It has been confirmed that Jamal Murray tore his ACL and will be done for the season. Uh, and that, that, that's rough just because Denver I've, I've been on the Denver bandwagon for a couple years now where I've been saying like, listen, you know, I've been saying it, I've been saying this for about two years now. I was like, Hey man, listen, in like five years when LeBron's retired and the Lakers are kind of just Anthony Davis's team, Denver just might start running this Western conference. Like I, I looked around, I love what they have in, in Jokic. Jamal Murray, I think even though he's streaky and he sometimes just has games that really make you wonder, like, you have so much talent, why are you playing like this? But with Jokic, with Murray, with Michael Porter Jr., them making the trade for Aaron Gordon, they have so much talent on that squad. Like, if they can put it all together, boy, they they are tough. They are going to be so tough to beat in a seven game series. Once they really all put it together. Um, I think last year they got some really great pro- playoff experience and I think that they're only going to get better. I think it stinks, uh, that Jamal Murray got injured this year. Cause I would have loved to have seen what this team would have done in the postseason. Um, but it looks like we're going to have to wait another year to really see this Denver Nuggets team, uh, at full strength, uh, going into the playoffs, but watch out for Denver, man. I mean, it, you could say that about a bunch of teams in the western in the Western Conference. By the way, though, like that's the thing, right? Like the Phoenix Suns are on the rise. You have Chris Paul, you have Devin Booker, uh, you have um, DeAndre Ayton, right? Like you have pieces there. They have a really good head coach in Monty Williams. You have the Utah Jazz, who are just absolutely bawling out. They've been the best team in the league all year. Um, speaking of the Utah Jazz, Dwayne Wade actually has leapt into. Uh, the ownership game and is uh, purchasing a stake of ownership of the Utah Jazz. He said that he wants to have a more, he's going to want to come in and have a fairly active role in the direction that the team is going moving forward and all that. I think that's great. I also think it's great for Devin Mitchell because I'm sure that that means he and Dwayne Wade are going to be having a lot more conversations um, and a lot more one-on-one time, which I think is only going to further Devin Mitchell as a player who I absolutely love. He's one of my favorite younger younger guys in the league. Um, so big moment there for Dwayne Wade. Tell Aaron Aaron Rodgers, not Aaron Rodgers. Alex Rodriguez um, jumped into the ownership game as well. He and a business partner are actually acquiring the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was actually a really funny moment. Um, Minnesota Timberwolves, the number one selection in this year's draft, Anthony Edwards, uh, they were now, you know, telling him about who A-Rod was. And he was like, who is that? I don't know who that is. He was like, is he a fan or somebody? I just know that he, they said he's buying team. And it was just like, are we really, like, it was such a, and, you know, so me, like almost being 24 now, I'm at the age where there are people in the league uh, that I watch that these athletes, these professional athletes. That are younger than me now, right? So, like, I have to keep in mind that, like, Anthony Edwards is, like, 19 years old. Like, he's, like, four or five years younger than me. Um, and, but, like, seeing moments like that, it's, like, there's really, like, a generation of children that don't know who Alex Rodriguez is, which is insane to me, right? Like, thinking about that, it's just, like, is there really people, like, who don't know who A-Rod is? Like, like so so, like, when I say A-Rod, like, what who do you think of Some people will say Aaron Rodgers, and I'm like, okay, I can see that. But like, how do you not know? Like, even, even if you don't know him for baseball, like he dated Jennifer Lopez and all this, like you don't, none of that really, really. But that was just a funny moment to me. Made me feel a little old, even though me and Anthony Edwards aren't too far off in age. Um, just made me feel a little old there. I thought that was pretty funny, but, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, like I said, Alex Rodriguez is going to be purchasing them. Um, a lot of moves being made in the NBA, man. A lot of moves. But like I said, going back to the Utah Jazz, have, just having been the best in the league all year. The Western Conference, like I said, is just stacked. I feel like I say this every podcast, but it's true, man. Like The Western Conference, that, that to me is going to be the most interesting thing, is watching how the western conference shakes up and and who gets into the playoffs um the new orleans pelicans speaking of people that are on a tear we talked about steph curry zion williamson man is he's having like one of the most efficient tears i've ever seen like he's going out there and he's putting up like 30 points a night and he's doing it on like 11 of 15 shooting and he's really i think i think he's really found that groove where He can dominate on the inside because when he decides to use his body and his frame and his explosiveness, explosiveness to get to the rim, there's really nothing you can do like at all. And we're seeing it. Like I said, he's he's putting up like 30 points a game in his last uh, 10 games or something like that. Something ridiculous. Uh, He's really coming into his own. He looks healthy. Uh, He looks um, like he's not winded all the time, which was something that we saw with him last year. Um, So that's great for him uh, moving forward. I'm excited to see the Pelicans and see how they fare uh, moving forward in the Western Conference. Because right now they're at that 11 seed. They're not too far out. They're not too far out. And could you imagine? Like right now, if, if the Pelicans, because the Pelicans who right now are currently two games behind the San Antonio Spurs uh, in the standings, if the Pelicans were to overtake the Spurs right now, the play-in games would be Dallas uh, Dallas versus uh, New Orleans and Memphis versus Golden State. And those would be phenomenal play-in games, as opposed to in the Eastern Conference, we'd have uh, Miami and Chicago and Charlotte and Indiana. That Miami-Chicago series actually wouldn't be bad. (laughs) Now that I'm looking at it, now that I'm thinking about it. Hey, Chicago Bulls, 10th. We got a chance to make the playoffs. If Vucevic, uh, if that trade works out and guys really start getting it together. the, The Bulls looked like they were on a little bit of a winning streak for a minute. You know, had won about three games in a row, and then now they've lost four in a row. So, we'll see what the hell's going on. I don't know. This team is just very up and down. But, like I said, we did make some... It's basically a brand new team now after all the trades that we made, so I can't I can't get too upset about it. Can't get too upset about it, but I expect better things. I expect the Bulls to make the playoffs this year, um, after the moves we've made. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, man, NBA. I'm just I'm like I'm just ready for the playoffs, man. Um, like. <laughs> And I and I like and I'm not and I'm not one of those people. And actually, this leads me into my discussion uh, that I wanted to because I'm 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 actually thankful that I, I said this because it's definitely something I was just about to forget to say. But I want to talk about the NBA and the regular season, and I've seen so many people get into this debate about resting players during the year. Resting players, load management. You know, something that Greg Popovich with the San Antonio Spurs made uh, famous. You have a lot of people who are under the assumption that resting players is ruining the league. It makes it a worse product for the fans because, you know, the fans pay the money to come see the players play, not to sit on the bench. You know, if they're if guys are healthy, they should play. And I get that. Right? I hear you. But this notion that resting is ruining the league is ridiculous. It had there's no bearing to it. There's no bearing to it. Let's just be completely honest. Okay. There are three things that I think of whenever I hear, you know, oh, you know, Resting players is bad for the league and it's bad for the integrity of the game first things first One it's not bad for the integrity of the game no one's cheating like yeah like people act like it's cheating like oh Like they're cooking the books or like they're paying off refs. No, that's messing with the integrity of the game, right? That's messing with the integrity of the game Resting players so that way they are Physically fit and healthy to give their all in the postseason when games matter the most it's not messing with the integrity of the game that's just called being smart (laughs) it's called thinking ahead it's called trying to win a championship which also ties into my first point is the real reason every single player is there right because let's think about this And some people will say, oh, well, you get paid all this money. You should be out there every game if you can and all this other stuff. And it's like, yes, we get paid all of this money. But we get paid all of this money at the end of the day to win championships. That's what the owner wants. The owner wants us to win championships. The general manager the coach wants the team to win championships. You know why? Championships bring in revenue. You get parades thrown in your city. It gets merch. It gets more fans looking. It gets you national coverage. It gets you more in the spotlight. It brings in revenue. The more championships you win, you tend to be more lucrative as a business. The only exception is the Dallas Cowboys, and that's just because Jerry Jones is an absolute business shark and advertising uh, genius, and he has made the Dallas Cowboys into this just absolute cash cow that can never fail and will always be relevant. But unless you have Jerry Jones running your organization – You need to find a way to win in order to be successful and to really bring in the bank when it comes to owning a sports team. Now, granted, if you own a sports team, you're making money, right? But if you want, you know, the billions of dollars that the Robert Krafts and the Jerry Jones make, uh, you better be successful. And that is what it comes down to at the end of the day. My, as a player, my responsibility is not to the fans none of you fans i mean if you want to say in an indirect way because you know fans bring the attention to it and the fans are the ones that are paying for you know all that other stuff but at the end of the day none of you fans sign my checks right none of you do i am entertainment for you that's all i am for you all my responsibility is not to you And I think that is something that people get kind of twisted, right? That the players have a responsibility to the fans to go out there and put out the best product. No, I don't. My responsibility is not to you. My responsibility is to the team that I signed a contract with. That's the key point. My responsibility is to the team that I signed a contract with. So, in order for me to fulfill that responsibility which is to provide a championship for this organization. If I have to take some days off throughout the 72-game throughout the regular season, 82-game regular season, yeah. If I can avoid a couple injuries by maybe sitting 10 games out of the season, yeah, I'm going to do it. Because guess what? And this leads me to my second point. People talk about, oh, well, it's a problem and fan, you know fans are not going to start watching the games and fans are going to get mad and they're not going to they're not going to pay attention to it or they're going to walk away from the game no they're not <laughs> no they're not you think the second most popular and second biggest sport in America is going to fail because fans are going to walk away from it because oh guys are resting because I paid my hard-earned money to watch LeBron James play, and he's sitting on the bench tonight because of load management. You think people are really going to never watch another basketball game again because of that? They, It's not true. the The group of people that would actually do that, the percentage is so minuscule, you wouldn't even notice that they're gone. You wouldn't. People aren't going to abandon ship. People aren't going to stop watching basketball. Hell, the NFL basically ran Colin Kaepernick out of the league and all this other stuff, and guess what? Still there. At certain points as an organization, as an association, as a business, there is a thing as getting too big to fail. The NBA is at that point. They're too big to fail. They're too important to fail. Sports is very much woven into the fabric of America. And football and basketball are the two most useful stitches in that fabric. People aren't going to run away from basketball just because some guys are sitting out. And if you think that, it's a very asinine thought process. It's not going to happen at all. Because here's the thing, we've had we've had this we've had so many moments like this before. We're like, oh, you know, it's 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 people aren't gonna want to watch. It's not true. People were watching when guys were fighting in the stands. People were watching when the NBA was forcing guys to have dress code. Um, you know, dress code. Uh, Or just, I guess, just dress codes. Dress codes for games because Allen Iverson was going up there wearing all types of baggy clothes and stuff. And they were like, oh, it's a bad look. People aren't going to watch. And it was like, actually, people don't really care what the guys are wearing outside of the game. It's just we want to watch basketball. So as far as the revenue part of it and losing eyes, you're not. You're not going to. And my last point. The last point that I have on this is no one is going to remember, because this kind of became a topic again when the Brooklyn Nets, you know, basically sat everyone against the Philadelphia 76ers a couple nights ago. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant was sitting down, James Harden sat, uh, Blake Griffin sat. Obviously, Marcus Aldridge had sat, but it came out later that, you know, he was sitting for a reason, and then obviously he retired. But Kyrie Irving was really the only one playing for the Nets against the 76ers the other night, and now everyone was like, oh, this is a problem, and this is, you know, we want to see. And yes, I get wanting to see them do that in the regular season. But guess what? If we get to see a fully healthy Brooklyn squad take on a fully healthy Philadelphia 76ers squad in the playoffs, no one's going to remember that, oh, on April 12th of 2021, uh, uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden and LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin all were load managing and it just burned me up so bad and I was so mad about it. No one's going to remember that. <laughs> it's not going to matter. No one's going to care. Because if we get the matchups that we want, when we see these guys healthy in the playoffs, which are the things that we really remember, who cares? Right? Like, and that's that's my question to people who pose this argument. You know, it's like, okay, do you want to see them play for one game? Like, okay, so let me ask you this. Would you rather those guys play every single game of the regular season... And have their bodies so broken down that we never get to see the real matchups that we want to see in the postseason? Or would you rather those guys take 10, 12, maybe 15 games off during the season? Because, hell, it's an 82-game season. This season, it's 72. But typically, it's an 82-game season. Yeah, 10 to 15 games. Rest, maybe, you know, on the on the back end of a doubleheader or uh, or on back-to-back nights and things like that. Games where you're playing, I don't know, like four games in a six-day stretch yeah, maybe maybe you can take a game off during that stretch, right? Like, that... This idea that guys have to play a full 82 and that, like, everyone has to be Iron Man, page like, type style. Like, I get it. That's what guys did back in the day, right? It's also one of the big reasons why when you look at a lot of guys who played in the 80s and 90s, they can barely walk today. It's not because they got old. It's because their bodies have just been so beaten up. So... I don't care if guys are missing games during the regular season. I don't. Will you be there, and will you be at your best, and will you be healthy for the postseason when games really matter? Yes? Okay, then cool. Take all the time off that you want. If it means that, damn, yeah, I did pay $300 for this ticket tonight to see Zach Levine play, and yeah, it sucks that I'm going to miss out on that opportunity, but guess what? If you're that big of a fan that you're paying $300 to see... To see a couple players play, you're probably gonna pay that money again to attempt it again, right? Like that's the thing, right? like if because and that's <laughs> that goes back to my other point about like this idea that like, oh, it's ruining the game because now people are gonna get upset and people aren't gonna 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 wanna go see it. It's like if you have someone who's willing to pay four hundred dollars to watch a basketball game, you really think that they're gonna stop just because one night that they went, the superstars were resting. no. This is someone who just spent $400 on a basketball game. They're going to be back. (laughs) Like, it's always been funny to me, this conversation. Rest is not ruining the league. You know what is ruining the league? Referees. And they're ruining every league. They're ruining MLB, NFL, NBA. Let's fix that. (laughs) Before we start talking about players resting. Because, yeah, you try playing. Like, and that's my thing, too. Like, you'd go out there and try and play 82 games of professional basketball in like, you know, the span of five months, six months. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of basketball. That's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of mileage on the body. So do I have a problem with guys taking a couple games off throughout the season? Not at all. As long as you're healthy for the postseason and we get the matchups that we want, hey, I'm all for it. But I just think that it's funny, this notion that, you know, That is that, like, players resting is what's ruining the league. No, it's not. (laughs) Trust me, the league is doing just fine. But moving from one league, the association, actually, moving from the association to the league, we have the NFL. Some big things to talk about in the NFL. First things first, I want to talk about this Aaron Donald situation because I think it's hilarious. So, a guy. Uh, filed a lawsuit against Aaron Donald, alleging that Aaron Donald assaulted him. And the guy posted a picture of his face, and he was absolutely bludgeoned. Like, eye was swollen shut, bruises everywhere. And immediately, I was calling BS on this. One, now, I don't know Aaron Donald personally, but I've seen quite a few Aaron Donald interviews. I've seen his interactions on, you know, the show Hard Knocks and, you know, just kind of the way he is. Aaron Donald, for the most part, seems like a young man who has his head on his shoulders and is very aware of his presence, very aware of um, what's going on and what is expected of him. He doesn't seem like someone who goes out and starts fights. Now, granted... This was in the south side of Pittsburgh. Now, for those of you who don't know about Pittsburgh, I'm... I won't call myself a... uh, I'm, I'm pretty savvy about the whereabouts of the state of Pennsylvania and where some of the rougher areas are. South Pittsburgh is pretty rough. Specifically, one street, which I believe it's Carson Street, where it is just a street filled with bars it actually is holds the guinness world record for most bars per capita in a single area right and that street gets littered with drunk people all of the time (laughs) it is an absolute nightmare sometimes down there Depending on the night, sometimes if you get all if you get all the right drunk people down there, it's a great time. All the bars close at about the same time. So then you just have a ton of drunk people on the street. It can be a lot of fun. It can be a terrible night. Right. It's it's really 50 50. You got to experience it for yourself. But a couple things that I first pointed out here, I was like, one, Aaron Donald isn't going to go out and start, you know, no BS with nobody. If Aaron Donald got into a fight, it's because someone goaded him into it. Because he's in Pittsburgh. That's where Aaron Donald is from. There isn't a single person in Pittsburgh who doesn't know what Aaron Donald looks like. Also, you can kind of just tell by looking at Aaron Donald. He probably plays some sort of professional sport. (laughs) For those of you who don't know what Aaron Donald looks like, just go and Google him. And you'll understand what I mean. And so my immediate reaction was, oh, this guy probably got an Aaron Donald's face. Probably got a little boozed up, a little liquored up. Went over there, tried to talk crazy to Aaron Donald, tried to start some stuff, and Aaron Donald finished what he could not. Um, then we got the videotape out today, and apparently Aaron Donald didn't even fight anybody. Aaron Donald was coming to break it up. Aaron Donald was coming to help somebody, and he was kind of trying to come and break up a fight and all this other stuff, and I was just like, oh man, well. It sucks if you're Aaron Donald because, like, you kind of had this little speculation. It's like, oh man, Aaron Donald's just going out here knocking people out in the street. And he's like, hey man, I was actually, like, saving somebody's life because this guy was getting jumped in the middle of the street. Um, so I just thought that was a funny story. Super happy that Aaron Donald's name has been cleared. Um, it's sad that somebody probably noticed that that was Aaron Donald and just was trying to make a couple, couple bucks off of him because, you know, hey, you know, maybe we can get you to settle or something like that. And, you know, it's what it, it happens. But, um, I just thought that story was funny. Um, Moving on to more important news in the NFL. Um, Obviously, you know, one of the big speculations for this upcoming draft, which we are less than two weeks away from, and I cannot wait. Um, One of the big speculations from the draft was, you know, what's going to happen with the Jets? Are the Jets going to trade the number two overall pick? Are they going to keep Sam Darnold? Um, We got our answer. Sam Darnold was traded to the Carolina Panthers and now it seems like all right we know what's going to happen one and two now first things first let's look at the trade for the carolina panthers i think it's a great move you get a second and fourth round pick next year or i'm sorry for the new york jets you get a second and fourth round pick next year and a sixth round pick this year um for sam darnold i think that's a pretty good haul um and it gives everyone it it, it tips your hand that you're going to draft a quarterback now Everyone believes that it's going to be Zach Wilson. I believe it would be Zach Wilson as well. However, I do believe that Justin Fields should be the pick there. I think Justin Fields is the better quarterback prospect out of the two. Um But it seems like now we know, okay, picks one and two, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, you can basically go ahead and book it. Um and then on the flip side for the Carolina Panthers, I think it's a great move for them because you you gave up some draft capital, but you didn't give up, you know, you didn't you didn't give up, you didn't pay a King's ransom for a guy who could possibly end up being your franchise quarterback. Like Sam Darnold has a ton of talent. He's a very talented individual, um, can make damn near any throw. And him being in Carolina. Now he has the opportunity to be in a spot where he actually has some pieces around him, right? Like he's going to a Joe Brady offense who obviously he was the offensive coordinator for LSU a couple of years ago when they won the national title and Joe Burrow broke all types of records, uh, He's going to go to a team that will have a healthy Christian McCaffrey that has DJ Moore on one side, Robbie Anderson on the other. He's going to have some. He's going to have a lot of support and a lot of talent around him, which is something that he never really had um, when he was with the Jets. He also gets away from the Adam Gase, uh, just cloud that seems to ruin damn near every single quarterback that it is over except for jay cutler i don't know how that worked out but hey it did um but i like it i like it for both teams i thought it was a really good move um for both teams and like i said if you're the carolina panthers you also have a lot of flexibility because like i said it's like you didn't give up too much for them you know you didn't give up a whole bunch of draft capital for them and if he turns out to not be the guy, if you don't like him this year, you don't have to commit to him long term because you don't have to pick up his uh, option. You can let him go um, if you don't want to in free agency and maybe you can go and get another quarterback at some point. But a really good move for both sides there, in my opinion. Then that leads me to the third pick in the draft. And this is where the draft begins. Who are the 49ers taking third overall? I keep hearing that it is for Mac Jones. And I tweeted out a couple of... Maybe about a week or so ago. That if the 49ers gave up all of that draft capital... Because they traded away a lot of picks to jump from 12 to 3. If the 49ers traded away all of that draft capital to jump up and draft Mac Jones... John Lynch, the general manager, needs to be fired. And here's why I say that. And this is I, and I want to preface this by saying this is not a knock on Mac Jones. Not at all. I think Mac Jones can be a very good prospect. Do I think he'll be a great player in the NFL? No. But do I think he will be a good starter? I think he'll be a tier three type quarterback? Absolutely. I think you can win championships with him if you have a good system, if you have great pieces around him, which obviously now the San Francisco 49ers do have. So maybe that's why they like fit here. But to me, jumping up from 12 to three to get a guy that you probably still could have gotten at at 12. like if, if I understand if the 49ers would have jumped up to like eight. You know, if the 49ers would have jumped up, you know, called up the Panthers and said, hey, we're going to jump up to eight to make sure we get our guy. Okay, cool. I don't feel like you needed to draft up to or trade up to three to get Mac Jones. That's my personal opinion. And this feels very, very, very similar to the Chicago Bears trading up for Mitchell Trubisky. And just let me draw the parallels here. When... Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy both got to Chicago. They were hot shots. It was, oh, they're this young, innovative tag team coach GM and they know what they're doing. They're the they they they're the Boy Wonders, right? Yeah, they're the Wonder Kids. You know, Matt Nagy comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree, and he's going to be this offensive guru who can be the, the quarterback whisperer for Mitchell Trubisky. And Ryan Pace, oh, you know, he made the trade for Khalil Mack and all of this other stuff. So when everyone kind of started allotting them, you know, and giving them a lot of praise, you know, between Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, I think naturally when people start telling you how good you are, you believe it, <laughs> right? It's just, it's just the way of life. People start telling you how good you are and you believe it. So your head starts to get bigger. And I think, you know, that played its part in Pace and Nagy, you know, Pace moving up in the draft to get Mitchell Trubisky. Kind of psyched itself out thinking that a bunch of other people wanted Mitchell Trubisky when that wasn't really the case. And they traded up to get him. He didn't pan out. And now both of them are probably going to lose their jobs at the end of this year. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, this feels eerily similar. You're going to go, and even the type of players that they are, right? When you look at Deshaun Watson, who to me was the best quarterback prospect in that draft class that year, Deshaun Watson was a guy who was proven, had started a plethora of games, won a championship, had played against and with top tier talent, and showed that he was elite. And the Bears passed up on him to draft this guy who had one good year. One good year and a limited amount of starts. Who does that sound like? Mac Jones. Mac Jones started one year at Alabama. And he was surrounded by talent. Surrounded by talent. I mean, yeah, what he did was impressive. But I'm pretty sure I could go out there and I could throw for... I'm pretty sure I could go out there and throw 30 touchdowns if I have Devontae Smith on one side, Jalen Waddell on the other, a great offensive line in front of me, and even more stellar defense uh, to protect for the few mistakes that I do make. And oh, by the way, yeah, I still have Najee Harris to hand the ball off to. Pretty good life you're living being the quarterback of uh, at Alabama right now, right? So, Mac Jones, only one year as a starter. Granted, he was phenomenal in that year. But he has limited mobility. And how much better is he really going to be than what you already have in Jimmy Garoppolo? Because if you're making this move because you're just worried about maybe Jimmy not always being healthy... I just, I don't know if you, again, I don't know if you needed to give up that much draft capital to get him. You know, and so this feels like the Bears drafting Mitchell Trubisky. The 49ers, I think, psyched themselves out. I think the 49ers started hearing everyone tell them how good they were, especially uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And I think they psyched themselves up into believing that there was a bigger market for Mac Jones than there actually is. I think the 49ers are the only team that's really in love with Mac Jones. I think the 49ers are the only team that looks at these quarterbacks and say, yes, Mac Jones is our guy. I think every other team in the NFL looks at all these draft prospects, and I think a ton of them would rather have Zach Wilson, would rather have Justin Fields, would rather have Trey Lance. Hell, me personally, I'd rather have Kyle Trask and maybe even Kellen Mond before I looked at Mac Jones. That's just me. If they traded up to get Mac Jones, after giving up all of that, boy, he better pan out. Now, that's the thing. If he does pan out, no one's going to care that he was taken third overall. No one's going to care that, oh, yeah, you probably could have got him at, like, 12. You probably didn't need to trade up to get him. No one's going to care. And he will have a great chance to succeed because, obviously... That team has a ton of talent. You got a great defense there. Kyle Shanahan, great offensive mind. He's gonna scheme, scheme up an offense that's very quarterback friendly. Um, you have a guy like Raheem Mostert to hand the ball off to, you have Debo Samuels, you have Brandon Nayuk, you have George Kittle. You got pieces. So he would be able to come in and have some success, but I just it feels like a mistake. If you have the opportunity to get a guy like Justin Fields, who, similar to Deshaun Watson, Multiple starts, was a starter for two years in Ohio State, put up great numbers both years, showed toughness, showed grit, put up great numbers against great players, absolutely torched Clemson in the playoffs, torched them. After taking a huge shot that looked like he damn near broke his ribs and then came out and finished that game, super tough, and then went out a couple weeks later and took on an even tougher Alabama defense. Yes, they lost, but he was very clearly hampered, and he was going out there doing everything he possibly could i just don't get it i don't get it mac jones wouldn't be my selection um but the thing that's interesting is everyone keeps on saying that mac jones is the pick here but justin fields held a second pro day not too long ago and who was there the 49ers kyle shanahan so things are getting interesting things are getting interesting who are they going to take at number three overall it seems like it's going to be mac jones if not, I think that means that it's going to be in for a wild ride for the rest of the uh, draft. If they do take Mac Jones, where does Trey Lance go? What do the Falcons do at four? Do they go with a quarterback? Do they trade back? Is someone, like, how far will Justin Fields fall? Like, all of these things are going to be crazy. I'm super excited for the draft. I keep I tell everyone, the NFL draft is, hands down, my favorite sporting event every single year. Um, And I'm super excited about it. So, we're over the one-hour mark here. I think that's a pretty good point to cap this episode off at, um, but don't worry I won't take another you know three episode hiatus I will be back with another episode on Tuesday for you guys but this has been the instant replay podcast as always I am your host Dominic Swarovski thank you all so much for listening um, and all the support and patience <laughs> um, if you like today's episode tell a friend to tell a friend like it share it all that good stuff if you didn't like today's episode just act like it didn't happen and as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there make some new haters. And one more thing before we get out of here. I would be completely remiss to not show my respects and say rest in peace to one of the greatest rap artists of all time. One of the most influential. One of the greatest to convey emotion in his words and all, all around outstanding human being, someone who always stayed humble, someone who was never too big for a job, was never too big or too Hollywood or too popular or too famous to show his fans how much he appreciated them or to just be a really a, a human, you know? Um, but, Rest in peace to the dog himself, DMX. Um, 50 years on this earth. it's, It's not nearly enough. Would have loved to have had you for much longer, but you were called home and you did three lifetimes worth of good in those 50 years. So thank you for everything that you gave us and rest in peace, DMX. All right, guys. I'll see you Tuesday.